0: The question I want to ask you this morning as we look at James chapter 4 is, who runs your life? Who runs your life? And don't look at the person next to you, don't, don't you know, don't, don't elbow or anything like that. I want to, I just want to ask you, I want you to think about who runs your life, and, and maybe more importantly for some of us, the question might be, what runs our life? What is the thing that runs our life. And so um, I want to kind of point your attention there and ask that question as we look back to James, because different books of the Bible cause different effects in our lives and in the life of the church, don't they? I mean, think about it. Books like Ruth, they're going to comfort us. Books like James are going to challenge us. Books like uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are going to bless us as we look at the gospel of Jesus and what He did for us on the cross and His journey on this earth. And as long as we let the Word do the speaking and leading in our lives, we can know that God is going to do what is best for us as His people. That God's going to do what is best for those around us who are without Him. And, ultimately, that God's going to do His best for for, for His glory in all the world. That's why we exist. See, the truth is, His Word is good. We can trust it, every bit of it, even when it's difficult. Amen? we can persevere through it all. So James is continuing in his theme of maturity, specifically maturing. Just want to pause and, and, and make one more shout out. Did not Pastor Rick do just a phenomenal job last week? Thank you, Pastor Rick, for your faithfulness. I know he's not in the room this morning, but what a blessing to hear from that wisdom. James chapter 4, 13 through 17. Come now, James says, you who say today or tomorrow will go into such and such a town and we will spend a year there and trade and make a profit. it is sin. So there's a lot packed in here in these few short verses, but the thing that I want us to mention this morning is, as we think about who's running our life, what's running our life, is a persevering faith. And I was reminded as I was studying this this past week and kind of walking through the week and, you know, every, every time you hear something, uh, uh, certain statements, it might make you think about somebody. Anybody, anybody ever have statements like that? I'm sure we could go around the room, right? You say, some, you say, a, you say a statement or you hear a statement and it automatically makes you think of a person well I had that a few times this past week and especially as I was reading this passage because I had a dear friend Herb Perry who if he was still here he'd be he'd be wearing a Jesus Reese's shirt sitting probably right in this chair in front of Mike and Jeannie on the front row and Herb Perry was famous for saying if you if you looked at Herb and say hey I'll see you next Sunday what would he say that's the plan that's the plan that's the plan and as I, was, as I was walking around camp this past week, and, and this one person in particular, I'd say, hey, I'll see you at dinner. Or I'll see you here. That's the plan. And every time I thought of, I was like, man, that's, that's Her Perry back there. And as I was reading this passage and studying, I was thinking, you know, we're, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. You ought to say, if the Lord wills it, then I'll do this or that. And Herb had a grasp on this passage, didn't he? Because he was such in the hand of God that he, he, was, he was cautious to commit to things. I'll be there. That's the plan, unless God has a better one. Unless God has a better plan. And so it made me think of Brother Herb this week as I was studying this passage. But as we think about a persevering faith, there's two things about a persevering faith that I want to explore with you this morning. Sound good? All right, two things about a persevering faith, and then three ways, three keys. We've, we've waited 2,000 years to figure this out, and I have figured out how to walk in the will of God, and I'm going to give you that at the end of this message. Okay, three ways to walk in the will of God. All right, jot them down. Um, we should have news stations here, because we figured it out. We figured it out this morning, okay? We figured it out, and so I'm going to give that to you at the end, so buckle your seatbelt because it's going to be mind-blowing, all right? But first, a persevering faith is first, humble before the sovereignty of God. Humble before the sovereignty of God. What does that mean? You could also say, submissive to the plan of God. Humility is submissive. Humility is surrendered. And so, so as we think about... As we think about humble, we think about a surrender before the sovereignty of God. What's the sovereignty of God? The fact that he is over all, in all, through all, before all. He is is there. He knows nothing's taking him by surprise. And so when we think about this, surrendered before the plans of God. Humble before the sovereignty of God. Business travel in the first century was fairly common, believe it or not. In verse 13 pictures a businessman confidently planning to make a profit in the future. But James calls talking about your business affairs as if their certainty is boasting or bragging. That is doing things in your own strength without admitting dependence on God. Have you ever thought of a sure thing? you ever thought of a sure thing and just thought, I'm going to invest in this thing, I'm going to put time and energy into this thing, and it's definitely going to work, and you would be at, you know, at gatherings and get-togethers or church services, and you'd, you'd say, this thing is a sure thing, I just know it's going to work, I know it's going to work, and then it doesn't work. That's what James is talking about here. He calls it boasting and bragging, doing things in our own strength without admitting dependence on God. And James is warning us that we can become so consumed with the material things, thinking about our plans, thinking about our plots, our strategies to work, our strategies to make money, that we become blind to the spiritual realities. And hear me very clearly this morning, that the problem is not the planning in and of itself. We should plan. But the problem uh, is is that we plan and we prepare in such a way that God has no place in the plans. Well, um, sometimes we have to be cautious about this, and we kind of have a saying um, a- around here when we, when we think about planning services, and we think about planning sermon series, and we think, uh, I preached a sermon this past week at Johnny and Friends, That I'm like, man, I need, I need to preach that to Summit, like, soon. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking at our preaching calendar, and, and you know, I'm kind of playing it out right now through October, and I'm thinking, okay, where do we need to change something so that this can go in? Because I feel like our people need to hear this right now. And so the saying is, um, don't make so many plans that you plan the Holy Spirit right out of the church. Right? Don't make so many plans that you plan the Holy Spirit right out of the church. And James is referring to a situation in which people were arranging to do something in the coming year in order to make money, when the reality is that they didn't even know if they were going to be there. So many of us make plans as if it's a sure thing, and we don't even know if we're going to be there. We don't even know if we're going to be there. We don't even know if we're going to see tomorrow. And these people were acting as if their plans were certain. And James is saying this is a type of arrogance, living in arrogance, not acknowledging that their breath could be taken away in an instant. I'm not trying to be morbid, but this is biblical. We're not guaranteed our next breath. Your life is a mist, a smoke, a vapor. Here one second and gone the next. And you will live until tomorrow, listen, only if the Lord wills. What a humbling reminder this is. Not one of us, not one of us in the room is guaranteed that we will be alive tonight to lay our head on our pillow. We're not guaranteed it. Not one of us. No matter matter how much you eat broccoli versus ice cream. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So go ahead and eat the ice cream for the love. You might shorten the process, but it's in God's hands anyway. Okay? All right? It doesn't matter. Not one of us is guaranteed. God is sovereign. And here's what we've got to surrender to, church, because this is huge for us. God is sovereign over life and death and over our activities and our accomplishments. And you may be sitting here and saying, man, this is kind of tough to hear. I missed you last week, and now you're, you're making me remember why I enjoyed having a guest. Right? But, but remember James's aim. James's aim here was not to comfort the church, not to coddle Christians. His aim was to stir in them maturity, to stir in them a sense of, hey, it's time to grow up. You're making plans here like you're going to be here, but God hasn't promised you here. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this and that. Everything we do, look at your neighbor and say, everything. everything Everything we do, everything we accomplish, everything we attain is ultimately under the sovereign will of God. He intends it. He plans it. He writes it. He writes it. Now, let me caution us to something before we go to number two. Let me caution us, okay? The intent here is is not to create a passive, a passive mentality, a passive fatalism in our minds that says, well, God's determined everything, so I'm just going to sit back and do nothing and see what He decides to do. It's not biblical. It's not biblical either okay the Bible talks all about action in fact James is, James has been hitting that pretty heavy in in the in the couple of chapters before this hearing and doing be doers of the word not just hearers only and so God wants us to act God wants us to be engaged God wants our activity he just wants him he just wants us to trust him with the outcome leave the outcome in his hands he wants us to trust him with the outcome okay Remember that James gives plenty of commands to obey and actions to take all of these things. He's talking about activity throughout this book like we just talked about. But he's talking about activity that is humbly dependent on the sovereign God of the universe. We talk about it all the time. If you're not doing anything that is destined to fail unless God intervenes, then what are you doing? Playing it safe playing it safe. I told on you this past week at Johnny Friends I was talking the theme was impossible faith and, and all of those things and we're at a place where as a church we're taking on the impossible. We're, ta- we're, we're taking it all. They're still out there with big big pieces of construction equipment on Cressy Road and getting ready for a foundation. They laid plastic on Friday for the retention pond, and the youth think that's a swimming pool, which I <laughs> think's really cute. Yeah, go jump in it, kids. Uh, no, don't. And there's a piece of me, as we, as we sit and do this, and I've, I've, I've not sugarcoated this at all, but there's a piece of me that's terrified, but there's a piece of me that's like, yes! Because we are positioning ourselves as a body of Christ, as a family of believers, to do something that only works, that only is accomplished if God shows up. We can't do what we're in the process of doing in our own strength. It's not possible. It's not possible. It's not possible. With God, it's possible. I believe the Scripture that says it and backs that up, with God, all things are possible. Come on now, is it alright if I preach this morning? You may not have missed me, but I missed you. Every accomplishment, every activity, literally every breath of our lives, this is James's aim, is acknowledging that I am alive and I am working only by the sovereign grace of God. That I am alive, I am working, I am moving, I am preaching the gospel only by the sovereign grace of God. James isn't saying that before we do anything, we need to say out loud, if the Lord wills. He's not saying that. He's not saying that. Though saying it often, and to remind ourselves, might, might not hurt us, but the point is to have the mindset that says, I need the grace of God. I am dependent on the will of God in every facet of my life. That's why sometimes when people ask me, hey, how you doing? I say, better than I deserve. And they're like, oh no, you're great. No, I'm better than I deserve. I've got a wife and kids that love me and kind of want me around Sometimes, like, I've, I, I've got a church that'll let me stand, stand up here, sit up here, and preach the gospel. I've got, I've got like two friends. Like, I'm better than I deserve. I, and, and, and they're staff members, and so they're paid to be my friends. Like, it's, it's amazing. Sad that y'all laughed. James describes a radically different way to live in this world, particularly in the busyness and the business of our lives. Anybody busy? Okay, you're not abnormal, okay? Though this world tells us to live like we're going to be here forever, all right? Urging us to make plans, acquiring possessions, working to build our portfolio, all, all of these things. But James tells us to surrender to God. James tells us, don't, don't live don't, don't live like you're going to be here forever. Instead, live and plan and, and work like your life is short and like you don't want to waste it on worldly things. But you don't want to waste it on worldly things. Live like you want to spend your life humble before the sovereignty of God and ultimately for the glory of God. As the people of God... We ought to make our lives the mist that compromises, excuse me, that comp- that comprises who you are for the short while you're here. We ought to want to make it count under his sovereignty for his glory. Be finished and done with self-sufficiency in this life and live our lives radically dependent on the sovereignty of God. I love the way that Paul puts it. Paul tells the church at Corinth, be spend and be spent for the sake of the souls. He's telling the church at Corinth, as messed up as they were, I'm not leaving you. I'm not bouncing. This is, this, you're in some difficult situations. You're, you're, you're in some deep, deep water. But I will spend and be spent for the sake of your souls because I want to spend eternity with you because you're worth it. Who says you're worth it? God. And it's His servant. I will spend and be spent for the sake of your souls. That's exactly what James is picking up on So a humble surrender to the sovereignty of God. Number two, a a persevering faith is obedient to the will of God. Look at verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Nice way, nice fluffy way to end this chapter from James, right? True to the rest of his book. Total fluff here, right? So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, For him it is sin. Okay. James talks about humble submission to God's will means surrender a humble obedience to God's will. Okay. This is where James gives us a needed perspective on sin. So so lean in. Listen to this. We're going to go to the classroom for just a minute. Okay. We normally think of sin in terms of sins of commission. Doing what God has said not to do. God says, don't lie. So you don't lie, right? (laughs) Sort of. Right? And so, God says, don't covet. So you don't covet. Looking over at your neighbor's lawnmower and saying, oh man. If I just had a few more inches on my deck, I could cut my grass five minutes faster. This is how we often think of sin, as not doing bad things. But James reminds us that just as, just as serious as, as lying or coveting, or doing anything else that God said not to do, are sins of omission. We've got sins of commission, doing what God has said not to do, but we also have sins of omission disregarding what God has said to do. This involves hearing the command of God to do something, such as, such as the command to admit dependence on God when you make your plans, and then choosing not to do it. Then choosing not to do it. So as we think about all that we've studied in the book of James up to this point, we see how James has told us not to show favoritism. Therefore, it would be a sin of commission for us to show favoritism. Right? He's also told us to care for the needy. So it would be a sin of omission for us to not care for the needy. You get it? So sins of omission are just as severe and intense and and just as much sin as sins of omission. Sins of omission. James concludes his instruction on the proper perspective of life. Act on the will of God. See, the truth is, God has given us this time, listen to me church, 86,400 seconds in each day. 86,400 400 seconds in each day. And listen, unlike money in the bank, there's no interest earned on what we don't use. You can't roll those seconds over. You use them. You use them. In fact, we start each day with a, with a completely new account. No carryover. What's gone is gone. What's there will be used. The only question is how. How? I want you to think about the parables of Jesus, the, the, the talents, the good Samaritan, the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man who built bigger barns. And, 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 the, and the main thing, the thing that threads them together is that all of them are about people who failed to use what God had given them. Failed to grab hold of the opportunities that God had placed in front of them. And the question is not so much, what are you going to do tomorrow? The question is, what are you doing today? How are you being faithful? And, and, and how, are you, how are you being responsible? How are you being obedient today? James said that if you know what God expects, then you have no excuse. To know it and to not do it is to tell God you really don't care. Right? And that He really isn't all that important in your life right now. That you can handle life all on your own. It's to sell your birthright. The selling price being severe. And the truth is that if you were told that your car was unsafe for the trip that you planned, what would you do? Get it fixed. Or cancel the trip. Just get it fixed. Right? James has told you about the time of your life. The truth is before us. And the question is will the story of our lives have a comma at the end of the day or a period? Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow never com- may never come. But we have this moment today. What will you do? What will you do? What will you do? What will you do? And the truth is each of us will have different answers. But my prayer is that we will all begin at the same place. This morning and every morning. How is your relationship with Jesus? Second Samuel 14 drives it home like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered, so we must die. But that is not what God desires. Rather, He devises ways so that a banished person does not remain banished from Him. Life is like the big buckets at the water parks, you know the ones where the kids stand for like three to five minutes in that big wet area. And, and what's funny is, right, the, the, the kids are, 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 they'll stand right there and they'll just wait for this thing to tip as it's, as it's filling up and the anticipation, right, like they just can't, they just can't wait. And the moms and dads are as far away from the splash zone of that bucket as possible. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When we go to Funtown, Splash Town, USA, where the great American family comes to play, slip and slides, water slides, we've got it all, where kids of all ages can come have a ball. That's all I've got. Okay, when we go there, right, and we're looking for seats in the water park, right, and that big bucket, no, we 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 can't sit close to the splash zone. can't. You can't. But like buckets, like these big buckets, at water parks, so is life, tipping every day until suddenly it hits the tipping point and empties of water. The only difference between them and our lives is there's no warning bell that tolls when the water is about to be spilled out. You go to some water parks and they'll, they'll sound an alarm when that water's about to spill out and then all the moms and dads, they sprint out of the splash zone. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow may never come, but we have this moment today. We have today. We have this moment. So, as promised, how do I search out the will of God? How do I know the will of God? The worship team is going to come. It's very easy. And and and, and listen, I'm going to tell you this, and and I mean it with all my heart. I'm not trying to be flippant. I'm not trying to be funny. How can I know what God wants me to do? How do I know the will of God beyond the shadow of a doubt? How do I know what He has placed in front of me to do? Number one, you guys ready? Write these down. Go write a book about them and just give some of the royalties to some at church, okay? Alright, number one, on how do I find God's will? You Ready? Number one, ask Him. Ask Him. Ask Him. God, what do you want me to do today? All throughout Scripture, n- ask and you will find. Seek or ask and you will hear. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Now, James 14 and 15. Uh, you ask anything in my name and it will be given to you. The problem that, that we have when it comes to asking the will of God is that many of us aren't comfortable with the answers He gives. And so, and so we keep asking, right? No, I, I don't like that door. Close that door. Let, God, there's got to be another door. There's got to be another door. Here's here's in the sovereignty of God, in the sovereign will of God, He has designed you to accomplish something that only you can do. I'm not trying to puff you up. That's just the beauty of the God that we serve, that He's such an individual God that He designed Lucas Willett to accomplish only what Luke Willett can accomplish. And so He has placed a plan in front of Luke Willett. That if Luke will be obedient to the sovereignty of God, to the sovereign will of God, he will accomplish it. He will accomplish it. We don't need copycats in the kingdom of heaven. All, all in my early ministry, I was trying to be John Piper, Matt Chandler, Perry Noble, Andy Stanley, and all I began to be was Andy Piper and Matt Warren. And all these all and and you know who I wasn't? Travis. And then one day I was like, God, you've created me for this and I don't understand it. I don't feel like I deserve it, but I've but I found that the only way for me to be faithful in my ministry is to be me. And so listen, listen If you want to know the will of God for your life, if you want to know what He has in front of you, ask Him. Seek Him. Search Him out. Get on your knees. Rub them raw and say, God, what have you designed me for? And and one one more warning before we get to number two. This is not just for young people. If you are in this room and breath is in your lungs, God has a plan for you. And you may not discover it. You may not discover that God has called you and designed you and equipped you for a marriage ministry until you're very seasoned in life. But then you build it and it's fruitful and it's amazing when you're faithful. Number two, okay? Number two, this is groundbreaking, earth-shattering. Number one, ask Him. Number two, search His Word. Search the Word of God for affirmation to what He's calling you to do. Because here's the truth. Here's the truth. You ready for this? God will never call you to do something that is contradictory to His Word. God will never ask you to do something that is outside of Scripture. That is outside of the Word of God. He will never he will never call you to do something that is contradictory to scripture. Ever, ever. So ask him, search his word. Number three. Ready? Number three. Number three: learn from the lessons of others. Learn from the lessons of others. Learn from the lessons of others. That doesn't mean okay, now hear me, hear me hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me hear me 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 hear me, hear me. Okay? Ready? That doesn't mean that just because somebody that was setting out to do something similar to what you feel like God is calling you to do and they failed, that you should bail. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is that you should take them out to coffee and ask them, why do you think this failed? Because I've asked God and I feel like he's leading me to do this. I've searched Scripture and I've found this verse that affirms the call for me to do this. And so I've, I believe that I'm going to do this, but I need to know, and don't ask them what they did wrong, but I need to know what you would say to me to give me advice as I go do this. As I go do this. In obedience to God and surrender to His will. My question for you very simply this morning is this. When it comes to a persevering faith, persevering in the faith of God, making your plans, would you include God in your plans? Would you ask Him, God, what do you want me to do today? Would you be open to God uprooting your schedule and saying His agenda is way more important than yours? Would you ask Him? Would you search His Word? Would you be in His Word? daily daily as you seek the plans of God as you seek the plans of God and would you learn from others would you learn from others that maybe that just maybe just maybe just maybe you don't have every piece of your life together and you could learn something from the people around you just maybe Just consider that. Let's pray. God, thank You that You are a personal God who loves us, who has called us, who has equipped us, who has placed things in front of us to accomplish for Your glory and for the furtherance of Your kingdom. Speak to us. God, I pray if there's any plans that we're making as individuals in here, as families in here, as a church that don't glorify you, that aren't edifying to you, God, that you would put an end to them. It may be hard, but God, I pray that you would be the center of our lives, that you would be the center of our worship, that you would be the most important thing and that we would surrender that we would surrender all to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.